It's certainly good to be able to worship with you tonight back here at St. John's. And particularly to be able to focus on some scripture readings that remind us of God's abundance. Tonight's gospel, we really see Jesus bringing to fulfillment a number of things that we see in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament. Jesus is like David, the shepherd, leading people to that green pasture. Jesus is like Moses, that out in the wilderness prayed to God and was able to feed the multitudes. Jesus was like Elijah, Elijah who had very little, and yet what was there was sufficient. Out of a little came abundance. And even as you look ahead, in the story of the feeding of the 5,000, or the 5,000 households anyway, we see Jesus already, at least on some level, starting to pass on that ministry to his disciples. He tells them, give the people something to eat. He tells them to gather up what's left over out of that meager portion, 12 baskets, one per apostle, right? He's entrusting that to them. And in some sense, when we read this scripture tonight, friends, we really need to see this as being a way that Jesus is pointing us in the direction as church. And again, it's no mistake that later on in the scriptures we read Jesus doing the same thing, breaking the bread, giving it to his disciples, offering it up. The same thing that we do in the Eucharist, except on a different, a more profound level. We receive him body, blood, soul, divinity. Let's go back just for a moment to Isaiah. Isaiah who has this stance of invitation. He speaks to the people and he says, those of you who are thirsty, come to the water. If you're hungry, come receive grain and eat. No cost, no price, no expectation. My friends, Isaiah defines for us the very epitome of what it means to be a people who receive God's grace. The composer speaks of grace as amazing. And what makes it so amazing is that just like in our theology of grace that we hold that comes right out of the scriptures, God's grace is offered, God's grace is initiated, God's grace is put before us just like that invitation that Isaiah offers. If you're thirsty, if you're hungry, if you're needy, 
God invites you. God wants you. God compels you to come to his mercy, to his peace. You know, as I was thinking about this, of all the concepts that we have, we use the word grace rather flippantly, don't we? On the one hand, we can tame it when we say that, well, we're going to begin our meal with grace. Defines it very well, doesn't it? Bless us, O Lord, in these thy gifts which we're about to receive from your bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. It's a little act of thanksgiving. It's an acknowledgement that what we have, we have as gift. That everything we have, first and foremost, was initiated by God's generosity, by God's benevolence. And if you look at the word grace, the word in Latin, gratia, our Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters, when they say thank you, they'll say gracias. It's rooted in this attitude of gratefulness, this attitude of thankfulness. In other words, grace is that which has been offered to us, not because we've earned it, not because we've worked for it, not that we've somehow attained some certain level on our own strength, but rather we have opened ourselves up to a point where we've been receptors of God's grace, that our response is nothing less than gratitude. Now you think about it. When I'm at my best, in terms of having that attitude of gratefulness, the attitude of gratitude, the way I look at the world is very different than when I stand and I focus on what I've lost or what I don't have or what dream I haven't realized. You see, those are the barriers that I put up for any of us when we focus on what we've lost or what we're missing, we put up the barrier. God's grace can't work when we focus only on our loss or, or the things that are shortcomings, whether it's in others around us or situations. But when we can see how God's action takes place despite circumstances or people not le reaching or reading our expectations, not fulfilling what we think should be there, we have a whole different perspective. You know, we struggle with this, I think, in the 21st century as a church, don't we? Some people really do. It's hard to embrace that attitude of gratitude. It is a grace that when we've been hurt, when we've been wronged, to not put up our guards and somehow even close ourselves off from God. You know, you think about that in human relationships. If someone fails you, if someone hurts you, harms you, what's our initial response? We impose distance, right? You know, we don't want to get a virus, so we keep six feet away from everyone. We put up our mask. 
If you don't want to get hurt by someone who has harmed you, you probably put up some emotional distance, not just a physical distance. You back up. And sometimes people do that even in terms of their relationship with God. They'll put up that barrier. They'll impose that distance with the idea that maybe God didn't make things work out the way I'd like them to. And so we get rather cautious, get rather guarded. But when we do that, it's really hard to reach that moment of gratefulness. You think about it, the gracious host is the one who makes you feel like you're the most important and welcomed person that they've ever met, aren't they? A gracious host, if you go into their house, they're right there at the door. They're not making you wait. They're tending to you as soon as you come in. They're setting out, you know, getting you something to drink. They're setting out the table. We often think of that as kind of the over-the-top over definition of graciousness. Not anything that you've ever earned or merited. They just do it by impulse. God is that gracious host. Take the most gracious act you've ever been party to and multiply it exponentially. That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for us, is to be filled with his grace. When the angel said to Mary, hail full of grace, that was a powerful statement. That set Mary apart from all other human beings up to that point. And what do we see right away as Mary speaks in her Magnificat, if not an attitude of gratefulness? Her soul magnifies the Lord. When we avail ourselves of God's grace and God's mercy, our souls, our spirits, our very being magnifies the presence of God living and operative in our lives. That's the simple definition of grace, is to be filled with God's goodness, but to also emanate God's goodness. The people who showed up that day came rather ill-prepared, didn't they? Don't you step, step back and scratch your head for just a minute? And so you have all these people, 5,000 households, going out into the, this area away from any town or village. And they're going out for a picnic, and no one's brought anything to eat. They evidently had the baskets, because there were at least 12 of them available, right? You'd think there would have been something in those baskets. But my friends, we are often like that. We are those empty baskets that are just waiting to be filled, waiting to be conduits of God's mercy, of God's graciousness, of God's generosity. Some will downplay this story and say, well, he had the five loaves, he had the two fish. Everybody had something else and they just shared it. And it's a nice interpretation. 
I think it's a lot more to it than that, don't you? I mean, how would they come up with 12 baskets left over from what the gospel writer is telling us is rather meager to begin with? It's that they were willing to give the little they had with baskets that were all but empty. And God was still able to work. You might feel at times like an empty basket, that you've been drained, that you've been, you know, just kind of hurt or wounded even. Or maybe you just don't feel like you have anything left to give, to contribute to anything or anyone. But take consolation, friends. It's not all about me. It's not all about you. It's about what God will do. We just give him the basket. Even if it's empty, let him fill it. Those 12 baskets were given to those apostles to be caretakers of. They represented the church. We as church need to give clear voice to the abundance of God's mercy, of his grace, of his generosity. And the clearest way that we give voice to that is when we allow our souls, our spirits, our lives to magnify God's presence in our world. Every time you receive the Lord in the Eucharist, that's a grace-filled moment. Remember the old definition of, definition of a sacrament? An outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. To give grace. When you receive the Lord in the Eucharist, when you hear those words of absolution in the sacrament of reconciliation, that's a grace-filled moment, if you let it be. When the Lord comes to you to feed you, to forgive you, let that touch your soul. And let it be magnified in your relationships, in your attitude. Focus on what you have. Focus on what the Lord has done. And pay less attention to what's lacking, what's missing, what's lost. Today, let's stand before the Lord with our baskets. And with true confidence, know that whatever it is that we have to offer him, it's going to be more than enough. As a matter of fact, he'll multiply it. And he'll fill that basket. Amen?